0: This is just proving Carson's theory that you do not like Casey Affleck.
1: (laughs) Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number 433 with a review of Manchester by the Sea. I'm Christopher Schneezy.
0: And I'm Stephen Miller.
1: And for joining us for the first time, this Fourth Morning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Stephen, how are you doing this fine evening?
0: Doing good. Feeling good. Uh, I was telling you already, this is one of those nights where I'm starting to question the wisdom of us recording instantly after watching a film, because uh, it turns out, unlike Doctor Strange or Arrival, <laughs> a kind of heartfelt family drama maybe is the sort of thing that is uh, tough to wrap your mind around when you've been through a fairly emotional experience for the last few hours.
1: So so let me ask you this too because it it is an interesting thing and I I know you know as we've we've mentioned the the film kind of determines whether or not that seems like an exciting thing but sitting through a film like this knowing that you're about to speak about it following the film does it force you to think more during the film as opposed to just watch? A little bit. Because I definitely felt myself during the course of this film like already analyzing it in yes. a in a more than normal way um. I,
0: I I resisted the urge, but I, I felt it a few times. Like <laughs> there, there was one moment when i uh, I was thinking this reminds me of a song, and I knew it wasn't going to be like interesting like I knew, I knew there wasn't going to be anything there, but yeah. I had to figure out what it reminded me of so I, I, like, I remember there was at least one scene where I was just racking my head about what are the themes that I feel like i 'm pulling from this. <laughs> But I think I pulled out of it. I think nice. I I don't let it get to me too much. Yeah.
1: I, uh, I don't want to say I w- it was getting to me, but I definitely felt like, hmm, how do I address this aspect of it? Or how do I think about this? Or what do I want to say about this? Um And then I started to get into my head about the, like, oh, I wonder what Steven's thinking. And then (laughs) I kind of, I I went down a deep, dark hole of... uh, I'm going
0: to admit, I thought a little bit about your family history while I was watching the movie. Like, (laughs) how is Chris going to respond to this?
1: (laughs) I... At this point, I don't even know whether you're making a joke or you're being serious. Not not
0: family history, but I was like, all right, but, um, the the Chris who like listened to punk, like like <laughs> pop punk, was he lashing out up against something? Is he going to relate to the?
1: Uh, <laughs> oh, the kid.
0: <laughs> yeah, relate to the kid.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we're here and we're going to talk about it, so we're going to find out for sure. Um, so yeah, let's go ahead and just get started with this episode. We're going to play the trailer for Manchester by the Sea, and then we're going to come back and give you a review. If you could take one guy to an island with you and you knew you'd be safe because he was the best man, he was going to keep you happy. If it was between me and your father, who would you take? My daddy. I didn't think you're wrong about that. Hello, this is Lee. What happened to my brother? So that's Lee Lee look. Okay. I don't understand. Which part are you having trouble with? Well, I can't be his guardian. Well, your brother provided for your nephew's upkeep. I think the idea was that you would relocate. Relocate to where? Well, if you here? look, it was my impression that you'd spent a lot of time here. I swear. I'm just a backup. Lee, nobody can appreciate what you've been through. And if you really feel you can't take this on, you know, that's your right. Where well, are we going to the orphanage? Shut up. Get in the car. Can't obey your orders until you unlock the door. Whatever you decide, he can
0: always stay with us if he wants to come up weekends.
1: Do you want to be his guardian? Well, he doesn't we want to already, be my guardian, we've already for Christ's sake, cool. We're trying to lose yes, some kids at this point. House- Hello. Hello, Lee? I just went to call and say I'm sorry. How's Patrick doing? Well, he doesn't really open up with me. Do you actually have sex with these girls? Strictly basement business. What does that mean? It means I'm working on it. You don't want to be my guardian? That's fine with me. Not that. It's just the logistics. All my friends are here. I got two girlfriends, and I'm in a band. You're a Janita and Quincy. What the hell do you care where you live? I've said a lot of terrible things to you. My heart was broken, and I know yours is broken, too. No, you don't understand. There's nothing That's there. Not true. Something wrong with me. Do you want me to call your friends? I don't know. What do you want me to do? I'm not gonna bother you. I'm gonna just sit here until you calm down. Alright, I'm calming it. Would you please just go away? No. It's not a
0: shock. Come on, pull it up. It's
1: not a shock. Alright, so that was the trailer for Manchester by the Sea. Um, it was about a uh, you know, a young man. His brother passes away suddenly, and uh, he becomes the legal guardian of his brother's son. And it's sort of the story about him, his life up to this point, and uh, how he's adjusting to this new life, uh, being the guardian of this young boy who uh, likes to fish, but not fish for shacks.
0: No. Oh, never.
1: <laughs> um, Steven, <laughs> even though it's been such a short time since we left um, the theater. What did you think about this film?
0: So first, I'm going to address up front that I do a terrible (laughs) New England accent, (laughs) so I'm I'm not even going to address it. Uh, Not gonna. I'm going to resist the urge, and if you hear me do anything weird with a vowel, assume I was not trying to get the accent right. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) With, With that out of the way, so so there was a bit of dread I had going into this film, and it's because this every year there's a good number of quote very good movies right like films that have gotten critical acclaim that seem to be pretty universally loved but i don't remember in a film this small being so like you it, it, this film was everywhere like leading up to this i feel like i saw the trailer 20 times i saw billboards for it i saw people talking about it who wouldn't normally be talking about a small heartfelt movie and i was a f- I was afraid that no film could bear the weight of all of that praise. Right. Yeah.
1: So where, I mean, cause we see a majority of our films at the Alamo draft house. Yeah. This was a draft house recommends picture. Yeah. Um, so we have been seeing the trailer a lot there in that context. Um, right. I feel like I have not seen these. I mean, we're like we're we're both in the Bay Area. I feel like I have not seen a single billboard for this film. Well, like like and, like on the
0: internet, I feel like I've seen the banner. billboards. On the internet. No, I, I think I've seen banner ads for Manchester by the Sea. I feel okay. like the AV Club gave it a glowing review, and I saw lots of people talking about it. Just people I know who don't don't normally seek out in movies the day that they go out have been messaging me about this one okay. because they heard praise.
1: Um, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha.
0: I, somehow. It, like, you could say the same about Moonlight and American Honey, but th- this was different to me. This was kind of the the very ubiquitous praise that I was afraid could crush a film that by nature is going to succeed if it is small and a little understated. Yeah. And it's really hard to be very understated, right? Like, like, like it, it just inevitable
1: yeah um and and also i mean for some more context for listeners uh i think the first time we both saw this trailer one of the one of the first few times that we've seen this trailer you leaned over and you're like i'm pretty sure this is gonna be a big steven movie oh yeah (laughs) so i mean you not only are you worried about the praise that the film has been getting but you had some skin in the game right you were you were like ready for it to be something really interesting for you
0: exactly um and I think, on a whole, the film delivered very, very well. Um, I, I don't want that to sound like damning with faint praise or anything. Uh, I'm just trying to measure, measure my words. I think, I think this is a, a lovely film. I think it's a very, a very nice, understated movie that knows exactly what it wants to say, what story it wants to tell. And given a context where I have not had it promoted the hell out of uh, for the last many months, this would be the kind of film that I would feel like I discovered in a tiny movie theater and be raving about probably. Um, So I'm only measuring my words because this is not a big dramatic movie. This is not Short Term 12. Like Short Term 12 is a movie that I think you could be told that it is a very powerful dramatic film and that wouldn't change how powerful and dramatic it feels because that is a movie with big arcs and big emotions and very little by way of understated performances yeah this is a film that it has it, it has those big moments and I think it nails them wonderfully I would I would not want any more of them than it had but so much of the movie is kind of about a character study in two people who it, it'd be cliched to say they don't know how to talk about their feelings I think they are just approaching feelings in a certain way. Like There's a certain archetype of person where they they recognize that a bad thing has happened, and they don't think that dwelling on this bad thing tearfully is going to help anything, so they retreat into a kind of quiet, sarcastic way of dealing with this issue. And a lot of the movie is about letting these characters play out, like letting the quiet moments be quiet, letting things be awkward, <laughs> letting them be driving in a car or just talking about daily life or laughing about something that feels like it would not be okay to laugh about shortly after tragedy. And, and I think that's what the movie is really getting at is kind of the, the, the fact that life still goes on in the same kind of banal, everyday way, even after the most tragic moments have happened. And, like, there's a lot of tragedy in this movie, yeah um but, but, so I'm just kind of trying to wrap my head around what feelings it left me with because i I feel like the the big tearful moments in this movie are not the point of the movie; they are the context for the movie, and the point of the movie is the kind of quiet understanding and slow relationship forming that the characters are. Building in their new life after all the tragedy. And that like that's just such an understated goal. I don't I don't know the right way to praise it, basically. I, I believed the characters very much. It it just was more quiet than profound to me, I guess.
1: Yeah, so I would have to agree with your last statement. And I feel like I know exactly the emotion this film left with me left me with and that is that this is not a good movie <laughs> really oh, <laughs> um boy. i actually i mean maybe disliked is not the proper word but i thought this was an extremely lackluster film um which surprised me in a, like i was ready to go into this film and really enjoy it mm-hmm. um yeah like the, the, part of the reason why i was like i was mentioning earlier that like i was really in my head trying to figure out what i wanted to say about this film because pretty much the entire film I was not enjoying it um there is some level to which moments could have bits of humor um but like even yeah I don't know I'm still trying to piece together my thoughts like basically they for me the 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 editing did not add anything at all like the bouncing back and forth and like delaying bits of information till later didn't feel like the payoff was worth worth what we were getting and like the the moments of tragedy that the film portrays are like unnecessarily heavy and the the situations themselves i don't feel i mean it would sound weird for me to say they don't add to the character because the character is just that like it, it feels a very like you know how some people complained about um what was the uh driver right is that yeah drive Drive, Drive, Drive. I was, I was uh, going to mention Drive, too. Yeah, so, like, the way people talked about not liking Drive because it was just Ryan Gosling, like, looking at people and not saying anything, mm-hmm. this film felt like if you took those moments and had somebody who had no idea what this, the moments meant write the dialogue for those moments. Like, hmm. people are speaking without saying anything as opposed to not saying something and saying everything. Like, you know what I mean? Like, in, in Drive, um, the... Like, Ryan Gosling could... Like, I knew exactly what he was feeling, or I felt like I knew exactly what he was feeling in any moment when he was saying nothing, right? The mood, like, a combination of the music and just, like, the way it was shot, like, made me feel like I was on board. In this, like, there is... There's a scene in the trailer, you know, like, the big moment with, like, Michelle Williams gets to, like, cry her heart out and and talk to Casey Affleck about whatever their past was, right? Mm -hmm. She says nothing in that scene. She... Literally, her words are... I I should go to hell for things I said to you back then she doesn't repeat those things there's no scene where we see the things that she said all we have is the context for the thing that happened in their past that was a big deal but that scene is really just somebody crying and not being able to put together a coherent sentence and the other person not really listening and sort of not being able to put together his own sentence right like it's two people that I'm watching them emotionally cry but I don't I don't know what, why they're crying. Like, I know that they're crying because they have a past history and bad things happened, but I don't feel... I don't know the words she's trying to say to him. I don't know... I don't understand her motivation. I don't... Like, it, it, Like I... So,
0: so that scene in particular kind of surprises me, actually, because one, one thing I would say... And maybe this is part of the the overexposure that I felt, is this is a movie where the trailer somehow manages to show a little bit of every scene in the movie. Yeah. Um to its detriment, I think. Like there there are some moments that would have been maybe very 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 nice and surprising if not for the fact that the trailer had decided to throw them all with the soundtrack underneath them. Yeah. Um but I thought the Michelle Williams scene in particular that you're referring to. I thought that was a very very good scene in the movie and I was dreading that scene from the trailer because it <laughs> it sounded like first of all it just sounded like it was going to be people acting the shit out of the scene right like acting acting this is going to be the thing that could get you know yeah it, it's, supporting it's the scene they're going to play
1: if they're nominated for something when their name is read right. for who is nominated for the category
0: right. and to me what was so pleasantly surprising I don't I don't want to say pleasant it's a difficult scene but yeah. um, well, what made me glad is I thought they played that moment just right. Where despite the trailer trying to make it be the big actorly moment in the film, it is two people who, at this point, I fully believed them. I like I fully believed uh, Casey Affleck's character and I fully believed Michelle Williams' character as having this thing in the past, and we get little bits and pieces of it, and we don't learn exactly how things unfolded for the animosity to be the way it is yeah but i thought that scene spoke volumes about the the kind of fragile way they left each other and the way things were said that couldn't be unsaid and like the feeling of seeing that person in the future and wanting to somehow negate everything bad that had happened before and not knowing how to do it
1: but but see here's the problem though is like of all the scenes in the film, that was the scene where I most identify with Casey Affleck's character. Like 100%, I am totally on board with like where he is in that scene. Like it's it's the one time that the filmmakers had the option to just like phone it in and I'm already on board, but somehow it still didn't work for me. I think it's mm-hmm. just because of everything that leads up to it. Like there are scenes where it's like, this is the thing, scene that has to happen because that's the story we're trying to tell, right? None of these, like the, and we all have, we've all, we've all been in a scenario where like something happens and we should break down, but we don't, and then at the most random moment later on we have a breakdown, mm-hmm. like just because that was the time that it finally got to come out, like when that happens in this film, also in the trailer, <laughs> we. Like, sorry. To I'm be gonna, fair, I don't
0: know which of those scenes was in the trailer.
1: It, it's 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 the scene in the trailer when he's like he's like you want me to call your friends? You want me to call your? Friends. oh, like, oh okay, That yeah. scene, right? Like, in, in that scene, that's just happening because that's the trope of that happening to me, right? Like that's what it feels like. It's we're watching a series of these events that like sort of happen in this type of film, but I feel that this is this entire film is a series of events that happen in this type of film, not a a really strong narrative arc that that. Like, so the basic premise from the trailer, as I described earlier, is a person who has his own life that's not particularly great life is suddenly thrust in a situation where he has to be the the parental figure for somebody who, though he has had a good relationship growing up with um, being his uncle, um, he is not prepared to really, like, he, he's a man who's not prepared to take care of him. The, you know, the common trope arc would be that, like, by the end of the film, they love each other and he's, like, a good father, right? Like, mm-hmm. like... I'm not saying this film has to be that, but there is no – like, Casey Affleck is literally at the same exact place he is at the beginning of the film at the end of the film. Spoilers. Like, there is no change to the character. So it's a series like, well, there's there's one really weird scene in the middle where I almost got upset because I was like, fuck this movie. Mm -hmm. And that's the scene – it's the scene where, like, suddenly things change, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. He's like, I'm going to do everything different. Um, and I, nobody can see, but I'm doing, like, the prospector jig. <laughs> <dance>. Very important. <laughs> um, but it's sort of like there's this moment where I'm like, really? I've been sitting here for two hours, and then you're going to try to, like, wrap everything up with a bow in five minutes? And then I realized that it was just a weirdly place to edit this type of scene because it looked as like they were going to end this movie on a happy note. And I was like, oh, okay, I, I get it. The film is just not over I was just reading too much into this, like, one scene where they're looking at a gun case. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, it's just, like, weird that suddenly, like, I thought that they were going to just go to this full transformation of the characters in literally one scene change. And that turned out not to be the case. But, like, I don't know. I I guess following the arc of this film, just with all the cutting back and forth, like, I get that there's things where it's like, hey, you're going to be the guardian. Cut to him potentially being not the best father right? or like it, it, what's even weirder is that scene started as a cut to him being like not the best husband. Right. Like, sure. and, and, and really it's just supposed to show that showed he's irresponsible. Right. And it just, there's moments where like it cuts back and forth to the same scene where it's like, no, we get it. Like he's trying to party instead of like letting his wife sleep. Like there there's, I don't know. There's something about, just, well, but I,
0: I would say without going into spoilers, all of these scenes regarding him and his wife are kind of building up to the logic of the tragedy that happened. And I would, I would say those are him piecing together the different things that led to that occurring. Well, but I, all, I felt like it was doing more than showing him as an irresponsible
1: But all person. the things that led to that thing are all part of the same scene. Just because they cut back to it 20 different times doesn't mean it's a separate scene. It's all the same event, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Or And if it's not the same event, they fucking cut it like it was. Um, I don't know. There's just something about the way this film goes about telling the story. And then when it turns out that the story doesn't... Like, not a lot happens and it's not that deep. And it's not the type of story... Like, I'm totally fine with a follow these people during this week of their life. And then be like, wow, cool. Like, it was fun just to see people living for a week. This doesn't feel like that. This, This just feels like a film that is loosely strung together and is resting on the fact that the characters themselves outside of the narrative live through things that have more weight than the film is presenting us with and that's supposed to carry the film through and I think if you are fine with that then yeah this film is going to hit you that hard but for me it's like I don't want to like you can't just tell me (laughs) this thing happened and then instantly I'm transported into feeling that like I want to go on that journey and I want to like, I don't know, some. maybe I was not in the right mood to watch this film. Maybe there's like a million other factors for it, but just something about the film does not work for me on so many levels. And it really kind of makes me sad.
0: That That's interesting. I, I wish I could find a good, a touchstone, like a, a- a film that i feel was similar to this that i know you liked because the, the this was an understated movie i mean yeah. say that and i know understated can be a euphemism for nothing happened this movie i feel like that is not the case uh, but i but i would say the film is about the telling it is it is not showing a journey that a character goes on where point b is remarkably different from point a yeah it's using this slice in time to present this character as he is now and present him as he was. And so the, those flashbacks show us the the version of him that was still him. He was still Casey Affleck, right? He was yeah. still quiet. He still had a lot of these same mannerisms, but there was a, a love to it and a kind of like a dry humor to it that was shared by another person. And I think it does a really good job of contrasting that with the version of him that exists later in the film. And what, what little it does give us about the the pinnacle events that changed him, I thought they imbibed a lot of weight in the later scenes of Casey Affleck. And I know not all the time. like It isn't like every single moment of his life he's thinking about the tragedies that have happened in the past, right? Yeah. It It just... It turned him into a person who is afraid to feel things too strongly and i think that that but is it, tied it, through in their family in in general is these uh these people who are generally calm and have a good kind of a good sense of humor and a good kind of self-deprecating streak to them who are guarding something
1: well uh, so so let me ask you this though so do do you think that i remember what i was going to tell you <laughs> Uh, No, I don't. Uh, The last thing you said was something about his character and the events, and do you think, uh, shit, is your statement about him reacting now based on events in the past, Uh, what did you say? Shit.
0: I was just saying contrasting the him that exists in the present with those same notes in the past when they when they formed a very different life even though the components were all there already like like the some of the moments that you're remembering one one in particular i don't think it's a spoiler to say he and he and a bunch of buddies are over and they're drinking and being very loud yeah and his wife tells them to you know shut up and go home and he's kind of an asshole about it right but the key moment in that scene is after they all leave he comes back in the living room And he and his wife both start laughing and she like calls him an asshole. And and that I I think that moment (laughs) is a good example of he was still this person. He was still the guy who drank a lot and he was still the guy who was not like the model adult. But it but it worked because there was a love there. And I think I, I think that did a good job of subverting the archetype where he's not just this like brooding guy who is incapable of feeling things or the fact that he's quiet or the fact that he's reserved somehow tells the whole story. It like, just showed how how that version of him now is diff- used differently than it was back then.
1: But like, so I, I, I don't remember the exact thing you said, but I, I, the branching off point was about, Um, the way he reacts to other people based on his past. And Mm -hmm. like there's a scene where he is sitting down with a somewhat stranger, like he's aware of who the person is, but like they don't have a relationship and they're like trying to have this conversation. He's just not really putting forth effort to participate in the conversation. And I don't really feel that like, I don't feel that his past tragedies are necessarily governing that scene. And I don't feel that, his current tragedy, tragedies are necessarily governing that scene either i just think it's like i don't really want to be here and participate and i'm just like i just don't give a shit anymore and i'm not going to play nice or be fake to facilitate your ease your being the person he's sitting across from he's just gonna like look i don't care to be here sorry like don't mean to be rude but i'm just not having it, right? Mm. And I, I feel that, like, none of that is... To me, that's not a sign of his character any more than it would be without those tragedies, right? Like, if... if I mean, <laughs> we always joke about how, like, I don't like going places that I'm not familiar with the place or, like, being in a place where there's, like, a ton of people that I don't know and just going in there alone just because I don't like the social anxiety of it. And, like, if I was... I suddenly am the... Uh, the backup plan father for this child, and I'm supposed to play nice with that dude's girlfriend's mom, like, mm-hmm. just because? Like, I... No, like... I'm Let's not, be
0: honest, though. You would totally do it.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I would totally do it. But, I mean, like, I'm not necessarily going to be, like, just one-on-one. Like, but it, I'm going
0: to write a mean tweet about it later. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but I, I don't know. I, I just feel... I don't know. I, I guess... Th- this is the type of film where... I would be fine with the entire film as a whole not really saying a lot if there was that one scene where, like, they said everything. You Mm -hmm. know, like, one of the reasons why I love uh, Magic in the Moonlight so much is that scene at the end... where uh, Colin Firth, is that his name? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Colin Firth is talking with, it's his mother, right? Yeah. Yeah, that scene where they're talking is like the thesis for the entire film, and that thesis is interesting enough that it justifies, I mean, besides the rest of the film is cute as hell, but like even if it wasn't, the entire film is leading up to this moment where the, the character has this realization while talk, having that conversation, right? And that is the thesis of the film. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Casey Affleck, Michelle Williams moment could have been the thesis for this film could have been like it could have been a moment where characters like sum up it was definitely
0: not intended to be it was not
1: intended to be but i mean like had that been the thesis for the film where whatever transpires during that conversation is the meaning that is applied to the whole film as a whole like characters either go through a realization or say something profound i could have given the rest of the film's lack of profoundness a pass because it's all leading towards it's all building towards a thing where characters realize something and either change or me as the viewer can go like oh wow like that's really interesting but this film has none of those scenes and i guess because the entire thing doesn't feel profound in any way to me um you know the level to which certain tragedies (laughs) like happen is a profound level of tragedy but the film isn't saying a lot i mean it it's kind of like they just like turned up the tragedy to eleven and thought that would carry the film the whole way. And to me, it feels like I don't know if I take that as a cheat. Like like you could have you could have lessened the tragedy. I'll just say by a third yeah. or by two thirds, and the story wouldn't have changed at all. But I feel that the film wants it to change that much. Like there's no reason why though that event has to be what it is it could be so much less than that sure. and the story would not change at all and in fact i think it would be stronger because it would feel more i don't know more real it would feel more right it would feel more authentic yeah and, and this like, i guess my problem is that there's just a level of authenticity that the film doesn't have in my eyes and Even if this was, like, based on a true story or something like that, like, if it was, like, the end said dedicated to whatever, this was the exact story of my life. Like, there's this long sentence at the end that was, like, this is exactly what happened. I can't believe it. Blah, 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 blah. I would still be like, well, sorry. (laughs) I don't appreciate it.
0: Yeah, so I... (laughs) I hear what you're saying about it turning the tragedy up to 11. Yeah. I did. One criticism I would have for the film, though to me it is a fairly mild criticism, is the creators did seem to have the kind of Job complex where they were like, let's throw everything at this person. And I don't think that was necessary. I completely agree with you. It could have been, the tragedy could have been cut by a third um, and not lost anything. But I also didn't... Because the film did not hang around that moment, to to me that was not what the movie was about, was the details of his tragedy. I don't mind that it went there. Like, yeah. tra- tragedies are random, and the likelihood of it being random at this scale is not much lower than the likelihood of it being random at a smaller scale than that. And this one happens to bring up other aspects of potential, you know, feelings of blame or feelings of unresolved yearning or the desire to change things, and I, I thought it, I thought it worked fine. But it, it worked fine as a dramatic, a dramatic device, well, and so, that's what it was. It just didn't bother me because the film is not about that moment.
1: So let, let's play a little game mm-hmm. here, just for fun. Um, I'm going to throw in another wild left field film comparison. Um, ju- just for the, sh- the sake of shaking things up, um, let's throw in the judge, right? Okay. <laughs> so let's pretend if, uh, Casey Affleck, rather than being just a janitor from Quincy or whatever, and just a, like a dude who has nothing going for him, quote unquote, in his hometown and should have no problem giving up the life, the shitty life that he has to come father a child in a arguably better place where he could have, like, a more interesting life. Mm-hmm. What if instead of being that character, he was, like, Robert Downey Jr.'s character, right? He was like, the hotshot lawyer who, like, has everything, and he's having to wrestle giving up this perfect life for a life in a simple town where he could be fathering this kid, right? Like, leave everything else the same, but flip that on its head. Rather than, like, a guy who has nothing... Not wanting to give up nothing, to disrupt his life to have this other life, which is the same, just like I, I, I guess like they go out of their way to, to like you know they, we have the scene in the trailer where he's like he's like I have two girlfriends I got a band I got like all this stuff I got friends and you're just a janitor <laughs> like yeah. you got nothing right Ooh, what is that supposed to do besides beat down on our character more like why
0: so you you're saying. Is the game that we're playing where I'm supposed to say, "Would it have been better had it been the other way?" Or the game is just you finding movies to compare it to. <laughs> I, I missed the game.
1: I, 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 the game is that, like, I'm just, I'm just taking a film like that. Like, if we, we, if we shifted it more into that territory, what would that change for the character, and would that make that part of the arc? Like, I, I guess I don't. So I, I don't understand the conflict of this film. I guess is the real problem.
0: I think. My takeaway from the film was that it is about how people deal with tragedy.
1: But does anybody deal with it in this film?
0: Well, they certainly react to it. Dealing with it, I do not necessarily mean as a positive. I dealt with it, and here's where I point to the moment that it was dealt with.
1: (laughs) But I, I, I guess besides being afraid of freezer chicken, the kid doesn't go through anything right like his life is business as usual his biggest threat is that he might have to move to boston <laughs> right that's
0: pretty scary
1: i mean i wouldn't want to move to boston uh, but, but i i i, I, I mean was...
0: there are, I, I think there are more moments than the freezer chicken that show him being <laughs> being upset or being distraught and so he, here here's one way you could look look at this movie is this is a movie about a kid who is taking an apprenticeship in grief sort of and he's young and he's naive he's the kind of person who after a tragedy happens he wants to talk to his friends and sleep with his two girlfriends and play in the band and play hockey to distract himself from the sadness of it and when the sadness does come it's in kind of short uncontrollable bursts that are never dealt with and he has these pressures in his life we see a few of them Right. Matthew Broderick is
1: involved in one of them. Um, <laughs> but even that is not even a pressure. At the moment where that character comes into play, that's an attempted alleviation of the non-pressure that he has, right? Like, his biggest pressure is that, like, oh, the person who's legally his guardian, guardian doesn't want to actually be his guardian. So he's like, well, there's this other potential guardian out there, and why don't I go with them? Like,
0: the, it... I mean, I just feel like... The first time we meet, uh, teenage Patrick, before he has learned the news of what happened, he is getting in a senseless hockey fight.
1: Well, in all fairness, he got checked against the boards, and he's like, "Fuck that guy, I'm gonna check him back."
0: Okay, I I feel like (laughs) I feel like there was a recurring thread in this movie that the men, Uh, uh, the people in this family, like to get in fights. That the men, the men in this family feel anger in very short uncontrollable bursts you know they they build things up into a pressure cooker and then they lash out and in my mind this kid was definitely a portrayal of he he is uh sutter from the spectacular now if he had a more aggressive uh aggressive streak rather than a people-pleasing streak he's a person who has pressures and a history And he is trying to figure out who he is amidst all of this thing and his mother isn't there and he's just lost his father. (laughs) The, The women in his life are routinely a mess basically. And his uncle is screwed up and he doesn't know who he is. And he's steering very far into this other direction where he's going to be the sociable one. And he's going to be, he's going to be darkly funny. But when you actually see him relating to people, it, it misses, right? Like, he, he isn't really relating to the girls in his life or the friends in his life. He's, like, he's off somehow. Like but he's, he, he's, he's likes Star Trek. <laughs> I feel like he he's cultivating a thing that he wants to be, and he's aiming it towards people. Like, he isn't Casey Affleck, who faces 45 degrees away from them. Like, he aims it, like, 10 degrees away from them. Like, he's still talking to them, but he's off somehow. And I feel like there is an alternate... Reality for him, where he becomes Casey Affleck, like like he breaks at some point. He has all these things that build on, and right now he's still a teenager. He's still young. He doesn't know what he's doing. And Casey Affleck is the version that has broken. And granted, Casey Affleck has lived through things that hopefully this child will not have to live through. Yeah. But in my mind, the parallels there were very interesting, and I think probably because I. I felt more, um, more small, disturbed moments from the kid's performance. I I saw this as people, someone trying to learn how to cope, and kind of him and Casey Affleck have alternate ways of doing it. Where Casey Affleck is silent and he doesn't want to pretend to talk to anybody. He he's not going to say anything, right? He learns about his brother's death and he's like, "All right, this is what I do." Okay. All right, okay, I'm gonna have to get off well, work
1: I, I, so so there, there, sorry i don't I don't mean to interrupt you, but like there's a strange context for the tragedies of both characters so um contextually Casey Affleck has sort of removed himself from everyone like every time somebody encounters him in the story, they're like. Is that, is that Lee whatever? And like, I think
0: there's some aspect we don't know about, right? Because people have a negative view of him.
1: Yeah, yeah. But but there is, like, everybody knows of him as that guy. Like, right? Everybody's like, oh, this guy. And he is clearly moved to Boston because he wants to be removed from the people that are aware of him and his history. Right. Um. So he has been through things that, like— his brother dying is sort of like contextually, there's like kind of like, okay, like, <laughs> like, I've been through so much that this is just another thing to go through. He's sort of like, I'm not saying that like the, the death of his brother is, is not tragic, but it's a thing that like he's already at a state for which individual tragedies maybe have less of an impact. And then the son, sure. uh, the, his brother's son. Who he is becoming the guardian over, contextually for him, this while the, the the passing away of his father is sudden, it's not a surprise. Like he has a condition for which he is constantly being hospitalized. Sure. For where for which like people know he will be dying at any moment, so like even even every- and everybody around knows that that's the case, so in the opening scene where where Casey Affleck shows up to the hockey rink, everybody's like, "Oh shit, he's here, that means the fathers must be in the hospital again um and I feel like. He is sort of going through this all the time. And it's, I mean, it's it's weird to say it in this way, but there's sort of like a, a crying wolf thing going on, right? Where it's like the father has almost died so many times that like him dying now is sort of expected and not super... It's not the same thing as him randomly being hit by a bus or something, right? Like, he has a condition that will likely kill him soon, and he just happened to die this time. And I feel like—I just assume that the child was prepared for this on some level. And while it's still really hard to go through and it's still scary, I think that, like— the 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 narrative did its best job to soften the flow for him, right? I don't know.
0: Yeah, it. I I don't mean to say that I think he is handling this badly. I think in general he he is about as good as one can expect from a tragedy like this. Yeah. Like I I don't think the film is beating up on him at all. But I, I I'm just trying to say though those moments where we see him freak out you know there is the freezer chicken but there are also the the mood swings right there's the the night when he just wants to, to talk to friends and hang out and everything is fine and then there are the nights when he doesn't want to talk to anyone yeah um that is a character that the fact that he's seen this coming i think it changes the nature of the tragedy but it it informs who he is also he has had years of Mom is out of the picture. Hopefully, that's not a big spoiler. She has presumably done some very disappointing things that we don't get to fully know about. Yeah. Um, Dad could die at any time. Yeah. And there is no one else, right? There is a coach, which is kind of right, the cliche of who the adult <laughs> figure would have been, but yeah. the coach seems to be a fairly mild adult figure. And otherwise, it is him. And so he's building this life for himself, trying to not need any of those things. I I just feel like the the movie does a good job of watching little holes get punctured in that. And it's fine, like, holes get punctured in every version of you, but I I thought putting him up with Casey Affleck, who is a person who has very clearly suffered a tragedy, and remember, his brother is involved in that, too. His brother was the lifeline, like, the thing that, in a very real sense, forced him to keep his life together yeah and to get back on his feet and so i i think they're both experiencing a world without a lifeline now and that doesn't mean it's a horrible tragedy where they spiral but it is a coming of age in that sense where they're both being untethered now no one else is watching out for them yeah (sighs) yeah and and the kid was there i think that's also another subtext a lot of the bad things that happen in uh, in lee's past uh the young patrick yeah. is around like he he's observed his uncle and i i don't know i th- i thought their dynamic played very nicely off each other as two people's different reactions to having no one one is to go outward in a very superficial way and another is yeah. to go inward in a damaging way
1: and, and, and i'm fully willing to admit that like maybe i just didn't get the movie right <laughs> um but yeah i just stick to your west world <laughs> you, you don't care about multiple timelines there apparently um
0: this is just proving carson's theory that you do not like casey affleck <laughs> I,
1: <know. laughs> oh, I should have just pretended like i love this movie um no there's gotta be a casey affleck movie that i really like eventually (laughs) the best part about it is like there's nothing about him that i specifically don't like in even in this film right it's just i i think that really just the script as a whole is what bothers me about this film um i mean the 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 location the film was shot in I thought it was cool. Yeah. Like, I wanted to Airbnb, one of those houses right on the water. <laughs>
0: sure. <laughs> well, I, I was immediately imagining how much the rent was and probably not much. Um,
1: <laughs> no, because like, that area is super awesome. But, I wouldn't uh, want to be there in the winter. but uh, So
0: this is an, an adjective I was going to apply to the film, and I thought you would agree, but maybe you don't. I thought, I thought everything about the movie felt very lived in to me. The, yeah. the characters felt very lived in. The places felt lived in. I I fully believed this town... And these people and the dynamic that they had.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. But so here, here's the thing: is like I'm totally on board with Casey Affleck having a shitty life, right? I'm on. Apparently, board. you wanted. i I'm, <laughs> I'm on board with the idea that maybe he thinks he deserves that life, uh, which yeah. is not necessarily something the film is expressly saying. But there is there are hints that like he sort of thinks that he deserves like maybe you could read his not wanting to talk to that woman as him thinking that maybe he doesn't have the right to talk to more, any woman more
0: directly uh his the moments that lead up to his current living situation where we see him versus his brother in that moment would suggest that he like doesn't he doesn't think he deserves a good life yeah yeah,
1: yeah. so so even even taking that face at hand or whatever the expression is is that a word face at hand At face value? At face value? Yeah, I'm just combining shit. Anyways, um, even just taking that as face value, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I... Like, as it's written on the page, Casey Affleck is getting an upgrade, like... He is moving to a place that's arguably better than where he is. Even he and there's is, no memories there, right? I mean, I, I mean, sure there's memories there, but I mean, look at this beautiful place in the water. <laughs> like I immediately was like, dude, take the house. You even have like some spending money while you're trying to get a new job. Like this like in in what universe would all of these things have happened and on top of it, the brother will have provided for the upkeep of the child and the house and offered a like stipend. To help get him on his feet as he moves to relocate to this Hopefully area. Hopefully like,
0: any universe where the brother knows that he's going to die. <laughs> yeah,
1: but I mean, that's what way said it. I mean, <laughs> no, no, but I, I, I just feel that, like, I don't know. I don't know.
0: <laughs> right. in, in my mind, I, I get everything you're saying. Yeah. It just worked for me. It isn't even in spite of those things. Those things worked for me. Yeah. And I think it's only because I thought... I thought the characters involved were interesting enough. And it, it wasn't like... There is a form of very actorly acting where it's like... Uh, how should I even say it? It's like being exaggeratedly understated, right? Where it's like a... a, wraith, a you're, you're like, it's a contest to see who can be the most understated. Like, I can give a performance where I don't even move, right? <laughs> I'm going to be so deep. And, and that is almost like the new actorly way of giving a line. Not the melodramatic reading, but the, like, the character who's just kind of wistfully saying something. Um, and I thought this movie walked that line well. I did not get the, the Ryan Gosling and Drive vibes from his character. I thought there was more than enough emotion in what he did and in his response to things and the way that it uses flashbacks to remind us that he has once been a person who had more vivid responses to things that all worked for me completely well so just watching them go through life and just explore the the banality of grief right like you have to find a plot of land and you have to find a way to bury the person and you have to figure out what to do with all the stuff and there's a boat but the motor isn't working and that was all very, no, that, that's very a, good to me. That, that like stuff
1: that. rang perfectly true to me. Like the inconvenience of dealing with tra- tragedy mm-hmm. was a huge – I mean I was talking to, <laughs> I was talking today with someone at the office and they asked me if I liked Christmas. And I was like, eh, not particularly. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you seem sort of like a bah bug person to me. And I was like, no, it's not about being bah humbug. It's just that like anything that requires life to stop so you can participate in this like holiday – is inherently stressful because like life doesn't stop to participate in holidays like mm. it just happens to exist on a day that normal life would be going on so it's like i'm to- i totally buy into the status of like when tragedy hits it's never a good time and there are all these huge, like, you know, just the scene with them sitting at the table when the kids are just trying to eat breakfast and he's just on the phone like, I, no, I need, I, need, I need to know, can you, can you come get the, what, and, what and am that, I supposed to do with the body?
0: That, that was a very true scene for me, too, yeah. because I, I have specific memories in my life of people who have lost someone and seeing them, like, sitting around the breakfast table, just, like, talking on the phone when the last thing they want to do is be talking on the phone about yeah. this stuff. And I, I thought the movie had enough of those little moments. And so much of the film was about two characters going through the the inconvenience and lack of melodrama of yeah. post-suffering. If anything, the fact that the tragedies were so melodramatic made the post the fact that nothing is happening post-suffering be more it, it felt more compelling because this was a movie that knew how to do melodrama yeah. and chose to almost never throw it in the aftermath of yeah. this. It's the, it's the life afterwards, right? The, it's still raining and everything is still the same and teenagers still want to hook up with girls and <laughs> you know, coffee is still coffee. Like it, it, It's just the fact that nothing changes. Yeah, And grappling with that life where nothing changes, I thought. I thought the film did a good job of showing that. It would have been nice to think that maybe someone learned something at the end, but I think I think they're going to be okay, right? That, that's probably where the movie ends on is they're they're probably going to be okay.
1: I still say you should have caught
0: a shack at the end.
1: I almost leaned to you and be like, they're going to catch a shack. <laughs> no, for a and movie then the to goddamn away. and then the goddamn credits rolled, and I was like, uh, that was really the final nail in the coffin for me—is no shack.
0: I think, in my mind, this is partly the antidote to the more uh, outrageously Bostonian redemption stories. Like, <laughs> like th- this is what would have happened in Goodwill Hunting if something had gone right when he was a few years younger, and he course corrected. <laughs> Where it's like, sh- crappy things have happened to you, and you're very emotional, but like, we're gonna move
1: on. We're gonna live in the world still. Yeah. Well, any, any last last thoughts about the film?
0: <laughs> no, I won't quote the song. <laughs> all right. The song was some someone great by LCD Sound System. If anyone wants to look up later,
1: all right. This is the one that you were thinking about while yeah, you were watching is, the movie.
0: This is the one that like has some thematic, similar, similar <laughs> concept
1: cool well uh let's go ahead and just move on into our verdicts then um if you were going to give this a must-see a reckon of the caveat wait for rental pass of the caveat or a must avoid what would you give it
0: i would go must-see on the steven spectrum uh i do not think it is <laughs> you should s- listen to chris at all <laughs> i i don't think it is the single best film of the year i would say i think moonlight was stronger than this i think uh American Honey was stronger. Probably even Swiss Army Man hit me more powerfully, and there's probably more that I'm not even thinking of right now. This is not the most singular film of the year. It isn't a movie that I think will stand the test of time in a very memorable way, but I think it does what it wants to do very well, and if you are in the mood for a somber, not overstated film about two characters grappling through tragedy in kind of a, a wistful, realist way that maybe movies don't get to. I, I feel like films always have a few scenes like this. Like, there might be a post-funeral scene where, you know, uh, the sprinklers go on or someone trips over the cake <laughs> or someone makes a joke and everybody laughs and they don't know why they're laughing, right? Yeah. right like m- Movies tap into this, but this film really lives in that, in that space. And I, I thought that was a nice space to spend a few hours, so... Recommend it very strongly. I don't think it deserves the sort of Academy attention that people are saying it will, but I think it's a very good movie.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm just going to call my review a wash and just give it a wait for rental um, because I would feel bad actually putting it into the pass or uh, must avoid simply because maybe I just didn't get it or maybe I'm just not... I mean, here's the thing, though. I mean, for me... Like, I've mentioned on the podcast before, but, like, it's really easy for me to tear up in a movie. Like, it just requires the bare minimum of emotions that feel authentic, and then you got me, right? Like, uh, a listener's email in another podcast can make me tear up. Mm-hmm. Like, like the... Damn you, bug. <laughs> yeah. Every time it's an email, it says how bad we are. Um, but no, like, little, little things make me tear up all the time. Even in a movie that has been totally normal, just some random moment will just get me for n- mm-hmm. reasons that I cannot explain. I cried through the entire Swiss Army Man, pretty much. And it's like this film, I did not even come close to tearing up at all. And that, for me, says, like, of uh, <laughs> about the, the narrative and, like, the authenticity of this film. And, mm-hmm. yes, that, that's just me. But I feel that, like, for somebody who emotionally gets wrapped up in things very easily, to not get emotionally wrapped up in this film, especially when the stakes are pretty damn high, um, it just – it – I can't explain it other than to say, that, like, that's just the way I felt. And that – because of that, I'm – like, it's hard for me to praise this film because just on paper it should have made me tear up multiple Mm -hmm. times. But instead I just watched it and – wondered what I was going to say about it when it came time to review it because it wasn't hitting me the way that it should be.
0: So I kind of related, counter note, I, I didn't tear up in the big dramatic points of the film, but I did find myself holding back tears in completely ordinary shots of just the town the day after or them walking around. Yeah, And I don't know if that says something about the movie and the kind of the vibe that it sets where it is the fact that life goes on and the so much that's left unsaid just from looking at this town and imagining being in there and imagining how the people must feel around him it, it was the things the times when it wasn't doing anything that made me feel most emotional and yeah. i would i would call that a virtue but it also means that the script did not necessarily hit the beats that it was maybe going for yeah
1: and it could be the nature of this type of town, right? Like we live in a town that's very different than that yeah. town, right? And this town exists as like almost maybe an ideal of a of an otherworldly version of a society that we don't get to be a part of ever. Right. Um, there's something personable and like intimate about living in a place like this. And there's like this beauty to the world and just – Something about it is really intriguing. Like what, like the opening shot, I was like, oh, I want to go visit this place. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, so yes, the question is whether those moments that made you feel that way, you could see contextually dis- disassociated from the film and just see the serene shot with like the right music behind it. And then would it express that same feeling or did it need the rest of the film to accomplish that?
0: I think it needed the rest of the film for me. Gotcha. But it, it was because they were the pauses after the dramatic moments. And yeah. the, the way they paused was done perfect, about as close to perfectly as I could get. Like, it left me the right amount of breathing room to gotcha. to mull over those things. But I would like to move to a place like that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I definitely want to visit it at the very least. Um but, uh, yeah, so let's go ahead and just, uh, call this a podcast. <laughs> um, Stephen, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that?
0: They can go to twitter.com slash S David or S David
1: People can find me at Christopher in real twitter. or twitter.com slash Christopher You can find the podcast over at the dot where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoiler warning or like us at facebook.com slash warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Manchester by the Sea. (laughs) So hopefully you're enjoying that. Um, Yeah, I have no idea what's coming up on the docket of things that we're going to be reviewing. Um, But we will have more reviews coming for you in the near future um so yeah thank you for joining me Stephen. thanks for having me thank you guys all for listening we will speak at you next time